Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. Hey, turn to Mark 4 for me. Mark 4. Today, we're, our topic is opportunity. We, at this time of the year, I typically do what I call my go messages, generosity and opportunity. If you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go back and listen. Anytime you miss, you can go back and should go back and listen. And I believe that, you know, God had just spoke some things uh, to Tree of Life Church and kind of some vision casting as well. You responded amazingly, and you, as you always do, as I said, you always do. You take it every opportunity and you just are so compassionate and generous, whether it be resource or time and energy. And I just thank you so much for that. And so today, that was generosity. Today, we're talking about opportunity. And the scripture talks about the days we're living in. It's very clear. It says, be wise in how you live because the days are evil. Today's evil. There's evil in the world today. Now, come on, Pastor. Now, okay, turn on the news. <laughs> you will see there's evil today. And you know that. You sense that. It's evil around the world. And it seems like there's, it's becoming more and more evil. But let me say this. I interpret it scripture right. The more evil it becomes, the more opportunity you and I have. Amen. The greater the evil, the greater the opportunity. And so it's important for you and I, as the scripture says, to realize the opportunity and to do what we're called to do. We need to respond to this opportunity. I believe that over these last few years that we have been preparing, unbeknownst to us, what is ahead of us, but we've been preparing by the Spirit of God to be ready to respond to the opportunities God presents us. We can't do everything, but we can do something. And we need to do our thing, in a sense, what God has called us to do, to do our part. And so when we talk about opportunity, it's not as much, I heard a pastor say it this way. He said, I don't know if I'm as much a strategist as I am an opportunist. In other words, I'm just doing what God's called me to do. And as those doors open, as God reveals something to me, then I'm obediently stepping into that place. And so I believe that's what we've been positioned to do. And we've said this many times already. I believe we stand, I'm, I'm standing on the edge here, but I believe we stand on the edge or on the cusp of the next move of God and so great is the opportunity before us as the body of Christ, but then as Tree of Life Church. I want to share a few things in my heart this morning in this message, and ongoing, because the vision message is ongoing. Uh, this, this morning, I want to share some things with you that I feel like God has put in my heart, put in our heart for this church. And, and there's a passage of scripture that I wouldn't necessarily go here to this passage. And in fact, I was looking at some other things, studying some other things, and I kept being pulled back to this one. And I was really struggling with God in a sense, like, I don't see it until I just finally just yielded and then it was, I allowed it to be revealed because he was always showing. And so we, when we get into this passage of scripture, you'll be, most of us will be familiar with it and I've taught it many times. In fact, I, I love teaching this and I saw something in there from a standpoint or uh, an angle or a lens, if you will, however you want to say that, that I hadn't seen before in the context that we're going to talk about today, opportunity. So in this story, um, Jesus has just not long ago been water baptized. Water baptism really was kind of the launching of his earthly ministry. He was baptized in the Jordan River and God spoke from heaven, this is my son who I'm well pleased and listened to him. And all of a sudden his ministry starts. Well, actually he goes 40 days in the wilderness of prayer and fasting. And then he begins his earthly ministry and he goes around, he's teaching, he's preaching the message of the gospel, the gospel of forgiveness. He's doing miracles. And while he's doing that as well, he's also calling his disciples to him. He finds four fishermen. He says, you guys come with me. He finds a tax collector and a doctor and many others. And over time he starts putting together his team, but he's still doing ministry. 
And then at some point in time, he gets the team together and says, okay, this is it. This is the 12 disciples and we're gonna do this and we're gonna, this is what we're charged with. This is the ministry that's gonna happen. And then he has another big meeting because now word has gotten out that he's preaching and teaching and miracles and he, he's healing all kinds of people. In fact, you'll read before this passage of scripture, you'll read that paralyzed, uh, paralyzed man was healed and, and a leper was healed and many things were healed. In fact, one of the first miracles Jesus did, he healed Peter's mother-in-law, and many scholars today, many scholars will still say that that is why Peter denied Jesus three times. But anyway, so I was like, I know, I know, I know, mom, I'm sorry. My mother-in-law's not here. And so he did so many things, and then he wraps up this meeting where he healed many, many, many sick people, and he says to his disciples, Let's go to the other side. Here we go, Mark 4, 35 through 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Hold on to that thought as we go on. A furious squall came up, a big storm, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping soundly on a cushion, and the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you even care about our lives? And he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still, took authority over those. Then the wind died down, and it it became completely calm. He said to his disciples, he said, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. Now, you can't really fault the disciples too much because they've come to him at different times. They weren't there when Jesus, uh, you know, was miraculously born, the virgin birth, right? They weren't there at the manger. They didn't see that. They may not have even been born themselves. They weren't there at the Jordan River when Jesus was baptized. And several of them weren't even there for some of the initial miracles that Jesus did. And all of a sudden they're coming to him at different times and he solidifies his team and then they're heading off. And so some of them are actually pretty new to being around Jesus. And so I could, I could understand their question because quite honestly, they were at a place that things seemed to be going well. I mean, we're already having huge crowds. We're in great demand everywhere we go. Crowds are coming and miracles are happening. And there's a whole lot of people still to minister here. There's a lot of people need ministry here. This is a familiar place to us. This is pretty comfortable. And look, it's like there's no shortage of people that need healing or need to hear the message of forgiveness. And so I like to put myself in stories in the Bible. And I can imagine they're probably wondering, well, why are we leaving when things seem to be so good? I kind of feel I have this sense within me as the pastor that we find ourselves perhaps in a moment like that. We've been blessed. We've been blessed. I mean, even leading up to pre-COVID, we've been blessed. I don't know if we're post-COVID yet, but we've been blessed and things are happening and there's still needs around us and we're still gonna meet those needs, but there's something more. We stand at this place and I believe that there's something more. There's a next step. There's a next move a pivot, I believe, that God wants. It's great what we're doing and what we're seeing, but we can't be okay with just comfortable, just the familiar. There, there's something more, and I believe that we're, we're stepping into that place. I, I believe God had been positioning us for that, and, and so I have this sense that we, it's time for us to take that next step into our next assignment, next mission, if you will. Now, let me say this, that the most important thing will always be the most important thing we do here at Tree of Life, and that is save souls. Or see people get saved. We don't save them. We just bring them to the knowledge of Christ and the Holy Spirit draws them. Amen? Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. And that is our primary mission. Amen? It's to see changed lives. 
So let's take a look now at Luke 8, 26. Let's pick the story up, listening to Luke. Luke says this in verse 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. Now let me stop for one second there, and let me just say this. The Gerasenes is also referred to as the Gadarenes. And so it's because there's a, a city in the area called Geresa. I didn't say that right, probably. And there's also a city called Gadara, and probably didn't say that right. But nonetheless, those two cities are in the area, and they're part of a a bigger region that's called Decapolis. Deca, if you know your Greek, Deca means 10 and polis means city. So it's a 10 city region. So he's leaving where he's been on one side of the Galilee, Capernaum, which ends up being his headquarters at some point in time, places that they're more familiar with, comfortable with. And they're now going across the Sea of Galilee into this particular area. So it goes on to say this, when Jesus stepped ashore, when he landed, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but he lived in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. Can you imagine again, these pretty new, pretty green disciples as soon as they get off the boat, here comes running out of the tomb, a naked, crazy, wild man throws himself at the feet of Jesus and calls him the son of God. They probably had questions of their own. And all of a sudden, here's this crazy, demon-possessed, naked man calling him the son of God. It goes on to say this, for Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them. Now, here's the demons negotiating with Jesus. They, they begged him, don't order us to go into the abyss. Just don't cast us out into the pit or whatever. And then a large herd of pigs was feeding there, for, there on a hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, let us go into the pigs. And he gave them permission. And when the demons had come out of the man, they went into the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank and, and into the lake and were drowned. Now, when those tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported this to the town and to the countryside and the people went out to see. So they went and told it to everybody. Everybody came out to see after Jesus performed this miracle. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet. And, they, and he was dressed in his right mind and they were, afra they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man who, uh, from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all of the town how much Jesus had done for him. That is a lot of reading. <laughs> but this is such a great story. Jesus and his disciples push away from the shore, comfort and familiarity. It's time to pivot, time for change of mission. Next assignment. They land on the opposite shore and all of a sudden this demon-possessed man comes and with everything going, he doesn't have a home, he's living in a tomb, he's, he's naked, he's possessed and, and all of a sudden Jesus performs a miracle and, and, I, and I just think for a moment here about this man and, 
And what I think about this man, although, although, as I've said, Jesus came to seek and save the lost, I don't know it was as much about that man, certainly not in the context I want to share this morning, as much about that man as it was about that region. Jesus is encountering a new region, and the first thing that he's presented with, the first representation of what is going on in that area, is here's a man that is demon-possessed, and he has no home, and he has no clothes on, and he's been living in a tomb. Could it just possibly be that was the state of what was happening in that region how much they needed God how godless they were and how much their life had just deteriorated to that point in fact could I just suggest to you this morning that it was not necessarily about the man but it was about the territory because the man representing that area was a perhaps a product of that area. In other words, here's a man that has no home. Can we just maybe say it this way today, that they're on the other side of the sea now were people that didn't have a place to belong. Maybe they didn't have, they didn't feel like they're a part of a family. Maybe they didn't feel like they had anybody that loved them. Maybe they, maybe they felt like they were all alone. Maybe they, they felt like they, they didn't have value. Maybe, maybe the, the idea of home that we have for you and I, of belonging and safety and security, maybe they didn't have that. Oh, maybe they had a house to live in, but, but maybe they didn't have what a home really means to you and I. And maybe this area here is, is people there that don't have a place to belong. They don't know what it's like to be loved and be in a family. And maybe, maybe the man, because he was naked, maybe it really represented people being stripped of everything. Maybe it was people being stripped of their dignity. Maybe it was people being stripped of their decency. Maybe it was people being stripped of their morality. Maybe it was people being stripped of their value and self-worth. And the man, the man lived in a tomb, and, and maybe it was representative of, of people living and dying things and not life. Maybe there were people that couldn't find anything and life in their lives. They, they were alive, but they weren't living. Maybe there was no hope. Maybe there was no love. Maybe there was no joy. Maybe there was no laughter. Maybe there was no peace. And maybe, maybe this man represented, because he was possessed by these demons, maybe he represented a time and place where people were just tormented. Maybe just overwhelmed in their mind. Maybe they, maybe they, they wrestled and, and, and struggled with things like depression. And, and maybe no matter what happened, they, they, they felt the evil of the day. They, they felt these things uh, happening to them. Just maybe. Maybe the reason why Jesus went to the other side wasn't just to reach this man, but was to reach a territory. And let, me, let, me, let me look at Mark 5.10 with you. <clears throat> Here's what it says. Mark 5.10. And, and here's the, the man coming. He is possessed. And he comes to Jesus. And you hear the demons trying to negotiate with Jesus. And so he says, and he begged Jesus. Listen, he begged Jesus again and again to send them out of the area. Remember the previous story we read? Don't send us to the abyss. Let us stay in the area. Let us stay here. And then notice they didn't say, hey, listen, don't cast us out of the man. We like this guy. We're having a lot of fun here. We got a lot of good years, a lot of good laughs. Look, he's naked. Ha ha ha. Right? <laughs> Look what we can make him do. They, they didn't care about the man. Are you getting the picture here? They didn't care about the man. What did they care about? They cared about the territory. Come on. They cared about the territory. No, another translation would say uh, area will say country. Another translation will say region. 
But for our discussion today, territory. So just maybe Jesus was going to the other side because the next assignment was to take territory. We're gonna go take territory where they don't feel like they have a place to belong, where they feel like they've been stripped of everything in their life, where, where, they, where they feel like that there's, they're, they're alive, but they're not really living. There's, there's no point where they, where they feel like they're tormented. We're gonna go take territory because to understand this, he who controls the territory determines the culture. And so when Jesus went to the other side, he's engaging this man who all the people there obviously were pig farmers. Pig farmers, isn't that interesting? Well, there is no custom following traditional Jewish or Hebrew person that would be a pig farmer. <laughs> they could not be. Therefore, this is a region, a territory of Gentiles. And they're probably mostly have their roots to Greece because it's an area called Decapolis. And so Jesus is now engaged, not just with another man, with another culture. So just maybe when Jesus said, let us go to the other side, maybe he wasn't speaking to a geography. Maybe he was speaking to a culture. Maybe it wasn't about a place, but it was about a race. Maybe it wasn't about a position. Maybe it was about a people. And for you and I in this next season of life, I feel so strongly, Tree Life Church, God has been positioning things. What he's calling us to now is we are gonna be a church that's gonna go take territory. We're gonna press in and take territory. And we're gonna cross cultural barriers to do it. And here's why I believe the enemy is fighting so hard right here in this story. You see the storm. It's because the enemy, one thing the enemy does not wanna see he does not want to see cultures coming together in unity and worshiping the God of heaven. He doesn't want to see different people coming together and walking in love and mutual love and respect and worshiping God. He doesn't want to see people different than themselves coming together and love and worshiping God of the universe. And so he is going to fight with all he can. In fact, let me say this. The moment you see the opportunity before you and you launch from the shore, before you land, there will always be a storm. Because the enemy does not want you to fulfill what God has for. You know what he's fighting for? He's not fighting for people because understand this, there's people that are gonna get saved in different cultures, there are. But listen, if the territory is held by the enemy, it's gonna be more difficult. But if we can take territory, and we can change the culture. And so this man standing before Jesus representing a culture, if you will, a culture that their marriages have been under attack, their families have been under attack, and it doesn't feel like his life has a home. He represents a culture that has stripped him of his identity and his value and his worth. He, he, he represents a culture that basically has nothing to offer of life, but only death, and he represents a culture, a torment. And so Jesus came not just to change a man, but to change a culture. And to do that, he had to take territory. You and I, 
this next season, we're going to take territory. And we're going to take territory. We're going to take territory in the cultures around us and really around the world. And we've been doing some of that, and I'm so blessed to be a part of such a diverse church that we're not going to let race and culture divide us, that we've been working really hard, and we're going to do even more all that we can. We're intentionally looking to find ways to connect cultures. We're going to not let race divide us. We're not going to let, uh, and so let me say it this way, we're going to continue to be involved in, 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 our, in our, the, the, the culture around us. So coming up soon in um, June, we're going to really, we're pressing in. It was been on my heart for a while. We're, we're pressing in and building relationship with a lot of Hispanic churches. I mean, I've been using my really bad, embarrassing Spanish and but just loving on them. And God has opened up doors. And so we've been doing this for two years. Actually, right before COVID hit, I worked at getting about 12 plus pastors together, buying them lunch, just loving on them, just telling them. And then we've been working with Pastor Jimmy uh, over in San Marcos with the Tent Crusade, and that's opened up doors. And so I'm excited to tell you that on June 2nd and June 3rd, we will be hosting Marcos Witt here. Come on, somebody who knows Marcos Witt. Marcos Witt is probably the largest Latin Christian artists, at least in the States. And so we've been working for a while to get him here because if we can host him here, then we can open it up to all the Hispanic pastors and churches in our area. And so he's gonna do a big Friday night on June 2nd. And then on Saturday, he's gonna do some events, some teaching, some speaking. And, and he's gonna have a luncheon with over, that we can invite over 50 Hispanic pastors together and just fellowship together. So what are we doing? We're, we're, we're crossing culture there. We're, we're taking territory. And, and let me just say, not just with the, the, the black culture and the Hispanic culture, but let me, let me say the church culture. Can I, I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know a group of people, and I'm one of them, I don't know a group of people more territorial <laughs> than pastors and churches. And it has not been easy. But we've been working hard and we've had some other pastors working with us and, and finding ways. And, and this year, you're going to hear more about uh, opportunities that we're bringing speakers in that we're inviting uh, church pastors into and their staff. And we're, we have a, an event coming up that we have, uh, are going to host it here. A lot of youth ministers from the area are coming together uh, for a program called Na- National School Project. Where we're going to empower our teenagers to take back territory in their school. We're going to empower and we have several churches coming together for that. And so those are things, and there's more things, and, and we'll hear more things in the upcoming weeks and months, but I want to tell you that we're, we're targeting territory, because if we can get into that, take that territory, we can help change a culture. One thing I really love about what is happening in this story is this idea of the importance of seizing the opportunity. But understand this, with every opportunity comes opposition. And so we read earlier about the little boats. I always thought that was just a funny little ad on one of the three observers that write about this story. And so I'm thinking about all the people that launched from the other side for this opportunity and only one boat made it. Now we assume the other little boats when the storm came, we assume they all turned around Hopefully they didn't go down, but they all turned around and only one boat made it. And so you would think like, okay, same storm, same calm, one boat makes it, the others turn around in the middle of opposition. 
And then I would think, well, yeah, but what about, and I've preached this message before. Yeah, but if you got Jesus in your boat, and that is the right way to preach that for sure. They didn't have Jesus in their boat, but it wasn't about Jesus being in the boat. It was about one man, one person willing to stand up and take authority that had been given him. They had a person in their boat willing to take authority over the opposition. It wasn't about Jesus being there. It was about one man. Apparently the other boats had nobody willing to stand up and take authority. And in fact, this boat did Jesus. And so I'm thinking about opportunity. I wanna encourage you, you have an opportunity now as we launch out to see who's in your boat. Because the reality is some of us need to kick some people out. (laughs) Some of us need to say, you need to walk the plank, brother. There's people in your boat that need to walk the plank and people in your boat you need to thank. And that's our next t-shirt. There you go. Just kidding. People that'll stay focused on the opportunity and not on the obstacle. And so we gotta move forward to take territory. We gotta stay focused on the opportunity because storms will come. Between the launching and the landing, there will be a storm. And so we need to make sure that we're pressing forward and doing what we need to do with the opportunity God has given us. And understand again, the devil is after your territory. He's after your turf. He's after your marriage. He's after your family. He's after your influence. He's after our workplaces. He's after our schools. He's after our churches. He's after, after our government and he's bipartisan. He's after our territory. He's after your territory. He's after your influence. He's after your purpose. He's after your destiny. He's after our culture. Look at the storms that have come because the moment you want to try and cross a culture and bring unity, a storm comes. Look at the racial storms, the political storms, the pandemic storms, the economic storms. He's trying to keep us apart or out of territory. He's not interested necessarily in the people. He doesn't want to give up territory because he wants to have influence over culture. So we have got to target the territory. So he works hard because he doesn't want to let go of the territory. He doesn't want to let go of the territory your marriages are in, the culture your marriages are in, the culture our families are being raised in. And so we have to press on and get to that place. What storm is trying to keep you from protecting your territory? What obstacle is trying to keep you from protecting your territory? So what's interesting to me is after they make it, Jesus presses through the storm. When they land, here comes the man, the possessed man. And he says this, he says, my name is Legion because we are many. I get it. I think that's a great point. I think, yeah, this is, this is more than just a little thing going on here. But can I just say this, what I think when I read this scripture now, having studied out in this context, that when he says legion, he's not just necessarily talking about the numbers because to Jesus, it could be a hundred legions or one. It does not matter, right? He has power and authority over it. The numbers of, of demons did not matter to Jesus because he has the power and authority over all of them. And so do people that walk in his power and authority, you and I, amen, amen. So it wasn't so much that there was a bunch of demons in this guy because it doesn't matter if it's one or a hundred, cast them out. But when you talk about legion, I think an intentional word used, you're talking about strategy. Maybe you're talking about plan of attack. 
I mean, it's an army. It's referring to army, right? And there, there, there's, a, there's a plan of attack. There's, there's an organized, let me say it this way. There's an organized assignment or plan of attack to keep you and I from taking territory from the enemy. And we can't be unwise about it. Remember, we can't be unwise because the days are evil. We have to be wise. And so know this, when we step out into this place of looking to take territory, there is an assignment against those who are willing to go along. But we have authority. We have power greater than that assignment, greater than that legion, greater than that strategy. So it doesn't keep us from doing us. We just need to be wise in doing it. And then we have the power and authority that's been given. And there's a strategic assignment by the enemy to keep you from taking territory. And remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is our opportunity to take back marriages, take back families. It's our opportunity to take back our workplace, our schools. We don't have to relinquish that. And here, let, me, let, me, let me say this. And I, I'm, I'm gonna say it lovingly and I'm your pastor and maybe the last day I'm your pastor. I don't know, I hope not, but the enemy can't take anything from a believer because greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. So don't give it away. Don't relinquish your territory to the enemy. Don't give him your territory. So we're gonna take back what we've allowed the enemy to come and take or have. We need to take back, and that's our starting point. We take back the territory in our lives that we've allowed him to have access to. We take that back. We take back our communities by working with the city. We take back our, our schools by the programs like we're, the initiative, we're starting with the high schoolers. We, we take back our, there's another culture that I, that, I, that I failed to mention. And maybe it's a subculture. You know, a few years ago, God put it on my heart and I just had a burden to minister, to love and serve families that had children with special needs. That's a culture in and of itself. Church doesn't understand it. I, I, I'm learning, I'm, I'm praying, I'm, I'm, I'm surrounding myself with people that do it. But that's an important culture. We need to reach out. So we started prayer, sensory room. I just realized two weeks ago, three weeks ago, when another pastor was preaching, I was able to wander the halls. I realized that we need another sensory room for teenagers. Just the other day in February, a few weeks back, we were able, blessed to host with the Tim Tebow Foundation, a night to shine. I, I don't know if anything has impacted me more. I, I know that coming up in April, we have a special needs, uh, a special Olympics. We're hosting the Special Olympics time trials for cycling from Austin to San Antonio. They're all coming here for time, travel, time, time trials for the Special Olympics. I, I know that before Easter, the day before Easter, we're having an egg hunt for families with children with special needs. I know God is asking us to step into that territory in a greater measure and greater capacity. I don't know exactly how it all looks yet, but we're gonna continue to take ground. We're gonna continue to take territory. We're gonna help change that culture of separation from church and families that have kids with special needs. I told before COVID hit, I, I shared a vision about building a playground that would be all inclusive. It's still there in my heart. Things took a different turn, but I'm, I'm glad to say we've got put aside a good bit of money for that. 
I haven't asked you for any money for that, but we're just trusting God. But listen, we're gonna, what are we gonna do? We're gonna keep taking territory. We're gonna keep taking territory. We're gonna take, take back some of the ground that maybe we, the church, has is, is relinquished. It's about territory. It's an opportunity for you, not just the church. I'll say this, thank goodness to be in a boat with other people. Come on, somebody. Thank goodness to be in a boat with some other people. That's the church. But listen, we're talking about your life as well. Because really what strikes me is this man, because it's not about, I hear you, Pastor Don. I'm with you. Let's go take territory. But I got territory of my own. I, 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 I'll, I, I have things in my own life. And, and, and my heart goes out. And I just want to say this morning, I want to say this because I really felt God dropped this in my heart yesterday, that today is a day, is an opportunity for you to take back some territory in your life. Because see, here's what happened when Jesus landed on the shore. It says immediately, this wild, hair, dirty, smelly, crazy, naked man, you may feel like that today, came running to Jesus and fell at his feet and Jesus delivered him. I think today is the day that God would say, just come and kneel at my feet. See, because he came running out of the tomb and I know, I know probably many of us in here could say, you know what, pastor, I'm all for taking territory, but I feel like I, I feel like I don't have a home. I feel like there's not a place for me to belong. My marriage is the enemy has come in. I've allowed him in my family and things have changed. It's not ever what I thought it would be like. I feel like I've been stripped of everything, Pastor. I feel like the enemy has come and I've allowed him to strip me of everything and I stand naked, if you will, and in shame and guilt. I feel like my, my, my identity, I don't even know who I am anymore. I don't even know if there's a purpose for my life anymore. I, I, Pastor, I feel, like, I, I, feel like a, I feel like that guy. I feel like I've been living in a tomb for years. I'm alive, but there's no life. Everything around me seems dead. I have no hopes anymore. I have no dreams anymore. There's no peace in my life. I feel like there's no joy in my life. I feel like there's no love in my life. I feel like, I feel like I've been living in a tomb. And pastor, I feel like I've just been tormented. From the, morning I, from the time I wake up in the morning to the time I try and go to sleep. And sometimes when I try and go to sleep, it's worse. I'm, my mind won't stop and, and I just feel like I'm being tormented and I, I'm falling into depression and, and I feel like I, I'm falling into sin and addiction trying to cope and, and I just feel like, I feel like that guy. I get it. Take territory, yes, but what about my territory? What about my home? My marriage, my family, my identity. What about my life? What about peace, freedom for me? And I know this is for somebody, maybe a lot. <clears throat> he wants to start with your territory. He wants to start with your marriage, take it back. He wants to start with your family, take it back. He wants to start with your life. That's where it starts because it's not in spite of you has to happen in you so it can happen through you. This is your opportunity today if you'll take it. Here's what I know. The enemy doesn't mind you coming to church. In fact, if he could, he'd stand at the front door and hand a bunch of people popcorn because that seems like all it is to some. And I don't mean to sound ugly, 
But the moment that you throw yourself at Jesus' feet, the moment you raise your hand in worship, the moment you ask him to come in, the moment that you surrender to the Spirit of God as he moves and we sing and as we read the word, the moment that you respond, the enemy comes. But you have authority greater than yourself. You have a power greater than your own. You can overcome, and here's a whole boat full of people to push through to the other side, to stand with you in the midst of the storm, to say, you can do it. Take back that territory. We're going to take it back with you. We're going to help you. And today is your day. This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. This is our opportunity. It starts with taking the territory back in our own lives. So then we can be restored and we can be free. Because here's, here's what happens. You do belong. You do belong. Here's a family that you belong to. And he cares about your marriage and he cares about your family. And listen, you have an identity. You feel like you've been stripped of everything. But my life is not my own. I have a righteousness, a robe of righteousness, the Bible says, that covers me. I may feel naked, but I put on the robe of righteousness that Jesus paid a high price for. So I stand in his righteousness, not my own. And I can put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Come on. And I don't have to live in a tomb. It's time to come out of that tomb. It's time to come out of that place and experience new life. The life that he offers. Abundant life. You don't have to stay that way. It's your opportunity to come out of that tomb. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's all stand to our feet. We're going to take an opportunity to come out of those tombs. We're going to take an opportunity to put on that robe of righteousness, to put on the garment of praise. We're going to take an opportunity to, to just surrender ourselves and fall at his feet and just worship him together. Let's praise him. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.